Michael, what drew you to this problem that Caraloop is setting out to solve? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a multi-faceted, multi-layer, multi-year story. Um, and honestly, Justin, like it wasn't until even years later that I really understood the full impact of what was going on to me in my early 20s was having and how it played into my the, the feeling of empathy and the compassion I felt to go and, and work with my co-founder to build this. But if I could go back and just describe a story that I know so many of us have experienced in the last couple of years and certainly over the course of our lifetime, uh, right as I was graduating college in 2007, um, my grandfather got really sick on my mom's side. And so, you know, we all, we have these moments in our lives where we find out that someone we really care about is not doing well, but you don't realize the, the disruption that it creates for you as a family unit. And certainly even to you individually. Um, and that's not just like in your personal life, it's in your professional life as well. And so, yeah, in like 2007, 2008, my grandpa got real sick and uh, I'm the oldest of five. And so uh, I still had younger siblings at home, even in grade school and in high school. So my mom has to go and, and focus her attention on helping my grandparents while my dad is busy working crazy hours to support the family. I had just graduated. I was starting my career in the consulting space and I had to be you know, juggling and, and supporting my team and my work with what was going on with my family. And this was the introduction into like just what people go through. And I mean, again, I was 22, 23 years old. Um, you know, some people, they, they stumble upon this situation with their family much earlier in life. Some people it's not until much later, but regardless and nevertheless, like at some point in each of our lives, we're going to find out that someone's not doing well. And like, what do you do? So if I could fast forward a bit, you know, looking back on this experience, I would tell you that like this impacted me physically, financially, socially, emotionally, like it just, it permeated my entire life without me ever realizing it. I was just a grandson and a son and a brother trying to do the best I could. Like this was what drew me to it, Justin. And it wasn't until years later that I really understood the depths of this. And so uh, my co-founder at, at Caraloop, he went through a similar situation with uh, his father-in-law, who was diagnosed with terminal cancer, um, we were, you know, even in college still. And so, just this idea of how do you support caregivers? Um, our nation's healthcare system is really built to support and, and accommodate three different stakeholder groups: patients, providers, and payers. Like, there's this dichotomy that exists. Caregivers aren't really part of that equation. In fact, anybody who's listening or anybody who's you know, ever been through this probably remembers a moment where a loved one was in a hospital or in some sort of acute medical situation or a healthcare provider. And upon discharge, you're sort of handed all these discharge orders and paperwork. And it's basically good luck. Um, you know, that's when caregiving really ramps up. And that's when family members really find themselves kind of scrounging around in the dark for answers and for support. And that was really the genesis and the inspiration for, for Caraloop. So uh, that was now like 15 years ago that I went through that, uh, even longer for Steve, my co-founder, who went through his family caregiving situation. And so, yeah, we founded Caraloop on this belief uh, back in 2012 that like we don't want caregivers to ever have to feel alone in this process. Uh, we don't want them to have to experience some of the physical, emotional, social pain that we went through. Uh, so um, we can get into this some more, but, you know, in choosing to target and work really closely with corporations. We've really made it our mission and our message to corporate America that this is going on 
every single day for three out of your four team members who has not just an aging parent or a grandparent or an in-law they're thinking about, but a spouse or a child or a friend or a neighbor or an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or domestic partner, whoever it is, like this is going on every day. And if you don't make the support of caregivers and parents part of your benefits, well-being, mental health strategy, it is going to come back and bite you in the form of production losses, recruiting issues, retention issues, and overall just healthcare spend. So it's been an incredible journey just in the last you know, decade plus um, building Care Loop and just really proud of the work we get to do each and every day. So the, we we call this out of nowhere because, you know, there comes a time whenever you kind of hit this tipping point and everybody says, oh, wow, you came out of nowhere, oh, you know, overnight success, except, you know, 15 years in the making, right? <laughs> and so, you know, people like you and I can appreciate like how that that hits our ear when we hear uh, a statement like that. I, ha- I have to ask if if you didn't have that personal story uh, and experience, well, first of all, you probably wouldn't have started care loop, but let's just say you did, let's say you did start care loop and you didn't have that. Like what is having that personal connection and always being able to go back to that moment. Does that, does that give you a little extra something like that extra drive and extra kind of energy whenever things get tough? I mean, is that a source of, you know, that little extra something that gets you over the next hurdle to keep on going? It's a really good question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that directly before. I'd say I could argue both sides of this. Certainly and obviously, yes. Like having watched my own family go through something like this and just to finish the story, like my grandfather, we were up and down with his health for about eight, nine years before he ended up passing away. And so just to see what that did, not only to me, but to my family, my extended family, um, certainly that adds extra motivation to go out and solve this problem for people. But if I were to just turn introspectively for a second at myself and my own personal core values, you know, uh, the element of being able to help and support and that, that aspect of altruism has always been a huge part of my life anyway. And so um, while I think the personal experience certainly gave me the sense of empathy and again, that compassionate spark and drive to go work with Steve, my co-founder and build the company, I'd like to think that this was something that I was personally really passionate about anyway and supporting. And um, it just like our mission, the work we get to do, it just, it, it fills my cup every day. So I'd like to think that no matter what, I would have ended up on a track where I was getting to do something, build something that gave back, um, whether it would have been supporting caregivers and parents, you know, who's to know, but yeah, you ask a really good question. I, I think probably most founders would would certainly share that sentiment that, yeah, while the experience they had is a major driver, it really just unlocked the passion that they already had to go out and solve a really critical problem for the world. This was just the, it literally just lit the fuse. Yeah. I'm sure though, that the conversations that you're in right now, well, tell me whenever you're, let's say you're talking to a, a brand new corporation that hasn't, doesn't have a program like this, and maybe they're new to care loop. What are the reactions as you start to kind of share your value prop to them? Like, what are the reactions? Are they kind of resistant to it? Do they not quite get it? Or is it like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I had no idea. And thank you for bringing this to us. I mean, what, I'm sure it's a variety of things, but what, it, what's, what's yeah. a common reaction? Just as I'm sure Justin, you experience in your business, with talking to a variety of clients and prospects about their goals and aspirations and their values and culture, like you, you have to sort of meet them where they're at and bring the right 
message set to the right dials for how personal and emotional versus how logical and analytical does this have to be in order to make it click? Uh, so we can come at this either way. I mean, so for many of our, our existing customers and prospective customers, yeah, the, the memory of the last two, three years, it, it's fresh and just what they themselves and their teams have gone through. It's really easy to draw inspiration from some of these horrific stories you've heard about families not being able to see loved ones in assisted living facilities, nursing homes, or parents being stuck at home with their children and schools being closed and counselors and teachers and aides not being available. I mean, so these are, these things are really fresh. So it doesn't take much to draw out the emotions and tug at the heartstrings, but when you can actually then back it up with real substantial empirical evidence of how care loop is making an impact, not just for these families, but for you, the corporation and the benefit that it's creating for you all, I think that's really where you get them leaning in. And I think you pair that with some really exciting for us headwind, excuse me, tailwinds around just caregiving and the amount of chatter that there is in the media. Um, even at the State of the Union address, we're recording this episode in February. Um, you know, you heard President Biden starting to talk about like paid family medical leave and supporting caregivers and finishing the work here. I mean, it's just, it's gaining a lot of steam and, and momentum. So uh, that's been really helpful the last couple of years for our growth as well. And uh, back to something you said a second ago, I mean, yeah, this certainly wasn't out of nowhere. We've been at this for a while, like laying down the foundation for um, not just corporations, but communities all the United States and the world to really start to think about the way that they support families. Um, it's not just about patient care. It's about community support as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's um, there's certainly corporations and prospects that are a bit resistant to it at first, like, and maybe this is, just isn't a focus for them. Uh, and that's fine. Um, we'll be here to support and provide resources and certainly continue to show them the evidence that we're gathering and the data we're collecting from the work we're doing. Um, but I'd say for the most part, the last couple of years, you've got a lot of companies leaning into this idea. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that there are people who are picking up on this, and this is why you guys are continuing to grow. But what what are some of the either misconceptions that people have about this, about maybe the problem in general, or or you know the solutions that exist, or is there sort of pushback that you see as illogical or like or dated or misinformed that you commonly have to kind of explain away or share, share your point of view on? Um. Well, you know, to answer the question, I think maybe it'd be helpful to just define what it is we're actually doing. So, you know, it's gone through a number of iterations over the course of a decade, as you might imagine, a number of pivot points. But, you know, where we've ultimately landed is creating a digital platform that pairs up family caregivers and parents with their very own care coach, we call them, a uh, licensed or certified health, medical or educational professional who's going to work with this caregiver or parent and their family on our platform to really navigate and coordinate through all the decisions they have to make as they're taking care of somebody. So as you kind of reveal that and demonstrate that to a prospect or a buyer, like some of the most common objections that you might hear is just that, you know, doesn't our health plan already provide something like this? We have an employee assistance program. Doesn't it do something like this? Um, 
I haven't been, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of the company. I haven't been through this before. Is this really that challenging? Like, is it, is it really that bad? Maybe they have a younger workforce and they're just maybe, so there's, there's certainly moments you run into uh, where again, like you could show them based on our existing clients and the work we've been doing over the course of the last decade, how actually just to handle these one by one companies that have a high concentration of millennials and Gen Z employees, about a quarter of them are caregiving for a loved one. You may not recognize it, but the statistics are really growing. Um, no, your health plan does not offer this. Um, your health plan is focused on your employees as the patients. We're here to focus on your employees as the caregivers of patients. Same with your EAP. Um, so it, it just, yes, there's certainly things that, as you imagine, more pragmatic folks would bring up. Um, and there's certainly um, fair bits of feedback and fair questions to ask. Um, it's been really exciting to be able to, again, like work to build a brand that really demonstrates quickly how even in each of these situations, we could come in and really make a difference for them. So in the, in the early days, who would you, how would you kind of classify the early adopters? The ones who, when they heard it, they're like, yes, we need that. This is great. The companies, no doubt that they're just, it's their bread and butter to take great care of their teams. I mean, these are the folks that are every single year on the best places to work list. Uh, they're constantly looking for the next greatest thing to be able to add into uh, the way that they recruit, the way they build culture, the way they create the employee experience. Uh, I'd say certainly over the last couple of years, many of our leading edge customers are thinking very critically and deeply about their DEI strategies and how this plays into it. You know, caregivers often feel that they're being excluded from a lot of different things that are going on with within the, the office and within the company. So yeah, I'd say those were the first groups that really latched onto it. And now as we've continued to grow and you've got more and more large enterprise buyers approaching us, um, they really want to see now the, the data, the impact uh, that we've created for existing clients and their, their team members and their families. Um, they still really care about being best places to work. And of course, even though you're hearing stories around what's going on in the tech industry and, and layoffs and workforce reductions, there's still a huge part of our economy that's hiring and there's still this war on talent going on. So they're being really mindful of how do we create a culture that really uh, stands for family values, that stands for support of our team members. And so it creates that welcoming feel. Um, just a quick example, like we've got a, a um, university that we've been speaking with that quite literally, Justin, like one of their biggest problems is they're trying to hire faculty, staff, professors from other parts of the country to come. And childcare is like the number one barrier. Like these folks won't leave whatever part of the country they're in, whatever university they're at, because they're worried about finding the right childcare. Like, so yeah, those are the, the types of issues then that we can really show how we've made an impact. Uh, so yeah, there's been quite the progression. I think if you look at that, that, you know, that bell curve we all look at around uh, adoption, we're definitely starting to get into that chasm area where we're starting to cross, where the more pragmatic buyers are starting to lean in and buy. It's not just the emotional buyers, the first, you know, the early adopters. Uh, it's it's going to be an exciting next couple of years in that front for sure. We have a lot of people on the show that do like very complex, abstract, hard to understand things. And I always like to ask, like, how would you explain this to somebody outside the industry? Like, you know, if you're at a dinner or something like that, 
I'm, I'm picturing what those conversations look like for you. And it's probably they would have like, oh my gosh, that exists. Like I, that's the, probably the reaction I would assume they have, because if they've not been through that themselves, there, there's no chance that they aren't related to somebody very closely who has gone through that. I'm sure. Right. Like there's no, there is no, oh, I can't picture that. Like somebody in your family has probably had to do that at some point. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. This is like one of the most this is like one of the easiest and, and most fundamental tasks that any of us will ever have to do in our lifetime, right? It's just taking care of somebody. Um, I mean, even just, you know, I'm sure we'll edit it out, but even just in the last minute, right? Like you had to go and take care of the dog. Like it was just it's part of life, you know? So yeah, when someone asks at a dinner, if they've got no knowledge of the company or the work we do, or just, you know, I tend to introduce Carolee by saying that, you know, we're a caregiver support company and, We've built a, a platform and an offering that helps families as they're navigating through these really challenging times when they're taking care of somebody. And, you know, I, I can't remember a time over the last, I don't know, a couple of years, even longer, where someone's looked at me and been like, I don't understand. Like, uh, what does that what does that mean? Just because everybody's gonna go through this. And to your point, if you are haven't gone through it personally, that's okay. Like you probably have family or friends that have. So it's, um, yeah, it's not really that difficult to understand. I think, again, the magic for us is in kind of the how we help it. And that's really where we can sit down. And if they want to learn more, like I can tell them some of the really incredible things the team has done over the, the course of time to create this awesome experience for these caregivers and parents who are really struggling. Yeah. All right. So here's a question for you. As, as a founder, sometimes you have outside or inside advisors who give well-intentioned advice that may just not be right. Uh, can you think of times along this 15 year journey where you had, you know, advice and you're like, you know what, that is not for us. Maybe good advice for others, but it's not for us. Can you, anything come to mind oh, there? Tons of examples. Um, but just since I mentioned it before, I'll go back to it. You know, one of the objections early on was around just, you know, doesn't our health plan do this or doesn't our EAP do this? So I got a lot of advice early on that, you know, we really should pretty quickly go align ourselves with the health plans or employee assistance programs or just some of these existing platforms that we would essentially just get gobbled up underneath it and, you know, just be part of the, the suite of services or we'd be on the menu. And while certainly that is appealing from a growth and scalability perspective, it wouldn't have really allowed us to build a brand and be part of creating a movement that we're seeing in this country around supporting caregivers and parents. And so uh, while it certainly has taken much longer and, um, you know, we needed to be a lot more disciplined and patient in the approach, I'm really glad um, that we didn't follow that advice. And I've had some of those same folks that gave me that advice come back and kind of laugh and chuckle, like uh, couldn't have been more <laughs> wrong about that. Um, I still think at some point, Justin, like there's going to be a natural yeah. or sort of an organic collision with us and some of those types of, of companies that are providing great service to companies and their employees. But I wouldn't have wanted to skip straight to that. I would have wanted to take the time to yeah. really create this movement and build this out. So yeah, that's just one example. There's been all sorts of moments along the way where you get both good advice and bad advice. And yeah, it's up to you to take it and do something with it. Yeah, I, I agree with that because I, I see that in other industries as well, where there is a sort of large incumbent where you could just sort of bolt onto them and things would go very well, very quickly. 
But if at any point you're at odds with that existing business, you're going to get squashed. And the, and the right. possibilities of what your vision could be just sort of start to evaporate away in some ways. So it sounds like to me, you say, hey, there might be this inevitability that we're going to kind of align at some point, but let's like really blow out this vision and show people what it can be before we get, you know, kind of sucked into something that may not be a great balance or, you know, equal partners. Right. And even within that, it could go one of two ways or probably even more, but just at the highest of levels, like if you bolt yourself on, yeah, things could go really great. That that existing platform or that space or category could continue to grow and you get to grow with it. But it could go the other way where, you know, like they start to see contraction and now you've hitched your wagon to this. And so, yeah, I just it was a risk and it was not a risk that I was willing to take with an issue that I believe over the next couple of decades is going to be critical to our society, not just domestically, but globally. Like I, I wanted to make sure we were playing our part and doing the hard work. And um, yeah, I imagine this does come up fairly often with with founders for sure. And yeah, you no know, right or wrong answer. You got to do what's right for your business. And um, ultimately, like for us, we believe long term that to impact as many caregivers and families as possible, we needed to go and build this category. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been laying this foundation and you're seeing steady growth. You've got early adopters who are buying in, giving you good feedback. Was did did 2020 change things for you or was it another year and you just kept moving forward or was that did you start to see different conversations or maybe increased relevance? I mean, what what has that looked like over the past few years? Yeah, I think we had to slow down in the first 6 months to really speed up in the second 6 months. So um, if I could zoom out and just talk about what the pandemic has meant to just our space in general, um, I, I hate to say that it took as many folks getting sick and as many people that lost their lives for our country to really wake up around the challenges that we're sitting here discussing. Um, but these had been things that we had been trying to discuss with the market for years. And there was a lot of great research coming out. I mentioned before, just even you've got the media starting to talk about it, celebrities starting to talk about it, like local state and federal government starting to talk about it. I mean, it was really starting to gain some steam, but a lot of prospective buyers in corporate America still weren't budgeting or strategizing around how do you support caregivers and families? So yeah, certainly um, when the whole world shuts down and all of us become acutely aware of not just our own situations at home with family members and loved ones, but you're seeing your team members go through this. You and I were chatting early on. I don't know if it'll end up being part of the episode, but just, you know, these are the situations that like, you know, we now on Zoom can see, right? They're right there. Um, so yeah, the pandemic, no doubt, it, it spotlighted this issue and it really brought a lot of focus and momentum for companies like us to be able to really showcase the impact of the work we're doing. Um, but like I said, I mean, this was already, this was building. This wasn't like, the, the pandemic didn't cause this. It illuminated a lot of folks to it as a result of what had happened. So um, yeah, I would definitely tell you that um, on the flip side of this now, if we're, we're sort of saying that we've reached the endemic stage and the pandemic is done, um, I think no different than the financial crisis in 08 and 09, like there was a lingering aftertaste 
for years, like in the financial services space and the real estate space and retail, like just a number of industries felt this for a while. I'm expecting the same over the next couple of years um, where just corporations and communities at large, they're not going to forget what this was like. And um, certainly there's a, a lot of focus and money pouring into things like family support, mental health support, financial well-being support. I think you're seeing a lot of corporations start to pull budget back, especially as they're embracing more of a hybrid type of uh, work experience. There's not nearly as much budget going into perks, you know, for folks in the office. You know, the ping pong tables are going away. The kegerators are being put away. Like there's a lot more money now focused on how do you support your employees from a distance and how does that trickle into the experience they even have with caring for their family members? Uh, so, yeah, it's been um eye-opening to say the least over the last couple of years. And it certainly has been a catalyst and a driver for our growth. Um, but this was a problem that was there long before COVID-19 showed up. Yeah. How does that tie into recruiting with your own staff? I mean, I'm sure you're pulling people from other tech sectors in some cases, other cases probably from kind of the established health environment. Like what do you see a common um, reason people cite is like, this is why I'm at Caraloop? We do. Um, which before I, I kind of go down that path, I would just, I would share that like, I'm a big believer in um, the incredible work that our first responders and, you know, our, our folks in the, the healthcare service and healthcare delivery system are doing. Like my wife is a, is a nurse, um, but they've had it tough just in the last couple of years. <laughs> you know, it's been a pretty stressful environment to, to go to work in every day or, you know, if you're working three 12 hour shifts a week, like my wife is. So taking that thoughts to your question, yes, we have had a significant inflow of applications for our care coaching roles uh, that are coming from professionals that are working within the system itself. Uh, nurses, social workers, therapists, case managers, you know, there's a, a long list of uh, backgrounds that are coming to us. And it's it's not only they're excited about the work we're doing and the impact that we're creating, but also I think it's a lot of them yearning for a little bit more balance, a little bit more, um, a little bit more flexibility maybe in, in their work and their life. Um, certainly a feeling of safety, you know, being at home, working at home versus going into a hospital and working and a wide variety of other reasons as well. But yeah, we've We've definitely seen it and felt it. Um, it's tough sometimes knowing what patients and their families are going through in the hospital to know that there's this exodus going on, not just to companies like Caraloop, but many other digital health and point solutions that are out there in our space. Um, it's definitely something that we as a country are going to have to think hard about and solve because we it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? It's fantastic for companies like us, but for the system... There's only so many nurses and techs and therapists and doctors and MPs and PAs out there. So um, this is something we've got to look really hard at structurally. And how do we increase the supply and, and the training opportunities for more folks to go and take these roles on? Uh, so I'm hopeful that like companies like Caraloop will help to co-champion that movement as well. It's just inspiring more folks to get into the business of caring um, because it's going to become a problem for us down the line. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Caraloop is a, a B Corp. It's a public benefit group. What does that mean to your team? What's that mean to your customers? What does it mean to you personally? So much. 
um, I'll start with me personally and I'll, I'll go back like um, ironically, Justin, I mean, this was like going back a decade now. Like, I think we always had attempted to operate as a public benefit corporation and a certified B Corp anyway, as I know many C Corps and S Corps and LLCs also do. Um, but to be able to embed this concept of um, giving back and social good into our articles of incorporation and to really create more of a stakeholder centric model versus purely a shareholder centric model, um, really important to, to me and to my co-founder and really to our team as well. Like this is something we take tremendous pride in. It's one of the first things we lead with when we introduce Caraloop to prospective customers, investors, and other stakeholders. Um, if you're looking at this from the customer profile side of it, one of the things we haven't talked about is, is that many companies now, in addition to their DE&I efforts, are also really focused on their ESG efforts and their strategy around getting more involved in their communities and using their business engine as a force for good. And so, you know, being able to represent that we're a public benefit corporation and a certified B Corp and that a portion of the, the revenue and the growth that we achieve by working together, we get to use to pay it forward to help even more caregivers and parents and families, whether they're in your community or throughout the country. And like that's a message that I think more and more companies are really gravitating towards is if I'm going to invest my dollars, I want to invest in not only a program that brings benefit to my team and my company and my organization, but also to the world. And I think this is us kind of putting our money where our mouth is in that regard. So I think it, it certainly is meaning more and more to our customers each and every day. Um, I think you asked about the team as well. Yeah, just like I said, a lot of pride and being able to say that we're part of a really elite group of companies globally. I think there's only about 5,000 certified B Corps. And um, I think you and I chatted about this the first time we met. I mean, it's like an 18 month to 20, 24 month process to get through this. It's like it's an extensive audit of our, our business, our our benefits, our recruiting practices, our DEI initiatives, like just the things that we do to give back to our communities and support, you know, the world. Like it, 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 <laughs> this was not an easy feat. So to join a group of 5,000 organizations globally that not just stand for this, but they're acting on it. Um, it's it's really a tremendous honor. So, um, yeah, really proud of this, and this is definitely something that I see us leaning more and more into as we continue to grow. Yeah, I think talk is cheap, um, and so people are looking for actions and gestures and things to support that. And um, so, I think th these are ways that we can do that, right? Like these types of going through these processes, people can appreciate what's the background on that. And I think it probably builds trust that it's not just you know, window dressing that this is what we believe in, but we're trying to walk this ourselves. Yeah. I mean, we, and just to make sure that we're holding ourselves accountable and being as transparent as possible, like we're every year we produce a, an annual impact report now. I mean, so we just put out our first one uh, in the fall of last year, just to be able to now show like, here's all the ways that, you know, we're taking our platform and our business and uh, impacting others, uh, not just, you know, not just our shareholders, not just our internal stakeholders, but, you know, our communities that we operate in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, still a lot, a long way to go in terms of how we really embed uh, these philosophies and principles into the business and into our growth strategy. 
um, not just domestically, but, you know, one of the things I know you and I wanted to talk about too, is just kind of where are we going? And um, this isn't just a domestic issue. Uh, you know, there's a mom right now in Japan who's struggling to figure out, can she even go to work because she's got kids and she's got, you know, a, an older parent or an in-law that she's got to take care of. There's probably someone sitting in Canada right now who just found out that, you know, mom's been diagnosed with cancer or Alzheimer's and what am I going to do? Same thing, you know, in places like the EU and the UK, I mean, just Mexico, I mean, this isn't just a US issue. So um, we're being really mindful of that over the next five to 10 years about how do we take what we've created here in the United States and you know, create the tools, the features, the technology, the functionality to be able to reach more and more of these families. Um, so that's going to be a really exciting, uh, you know, initiative for us to take on here over the next couple of years. Yeah. Beyond that, do you have any other predictions for this kind of category of how this kind of matures and, 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 uh, expands? Yeah. Like this is one that we could probably spend an entire 45 minutes just, you know, throwing darts and making guesses, but ironically, I'll take it back to some of those objections I was sharing. I do think that more and more of our prospective customers and buyers and just the market in general, during COVID, they were, you know, like I said, perk budgets were cut and offices were closed. And so we saw a lot of companies throwing just everything, the kitchen sink at helping their teams. Well, now what they're discovering is they've created sort of this really kind of chaotic web of all these services and offerings. And they're trying to kind of pare that down and create a more seamless, organized experience for their folks so that people don't got to go to 50 places. They can go to one spot. So I do think integration is going to become a huge um, advantage, a huge um, part of the conversation with the market. It's just how, do, how can you quickly plug and play into what we've already yeah. got? Like we get the problem, we get the, the value prop, we, we know it's a thing, we're good with pricing, but we don't want to go through a six or 12 month implementation or however long it's going to take to get you through procurement and legal. Like, can you just... I think that is going to be a huge uh, directional movement for the market over the next couple of years, especially in our space, um, but others as well. I think this is just we're, we're having to unwind some of what we did the last few years and organize it. And I think this is even coming out in some of the the narratives and stories around what's going on in Silicon Valley with some of these tech companies. They just when you actually look at the folks that they're letting go relative to how many people they brought on over the last three years. It's a remarkable story. And I think they're realizing that, you know, they could have been more thoughtful uh, about um, just how they structure their organization so that you maximize the productivity of the team and you create the best possible outcome. Um, it was tough to know. I mean, there was no playbook for what we all went through the last few years. So um, if I could yeah, just kind of put point at one thing, Justin, I think it's going to be integration, integration, integration. Um, certainly, I think that there's going to be a uh, a lot of buyers and customers as well who are really going to crave just um, they're going to crave the solutions that are proven. Um, if you're going to make investments in some of these things, I think there's also been a lot of startups that have popped up and raised money the last couple of years because money was cheap. I think there's going to be a bit of consolidation and even some proliferation around just the number of startups. Be probably a lot of M&A activity the last or the next couple of years as well, just with some of these seed and series A startups that raise money. Um, probably getting gobbled up by larger strategic buyers or private equity um, or just shutting down shop altogether because they're not 
they're not making their numbers. Uh, so I think that's going to be another thing as well. Just trust. You mentioned that earlier and just credibility and like proof of results. Um, so yeah, you know, all in all, I think there's, there's going to be an exciting next couple of years for the space. Overall, the word that comes to mind with this is as I try to put myself in the shoes of somebody who would benefit from this, uh, it's just navigating all of this is complicated and time consuming. Navigating our health system, it's like, man, where's the map at? Like, how, and we have to be our own best advocate or somebody has to, right? Someone has to be. And then even with uh, most benefits programs at companies, it's like, is this a benefit or is it not a benefit? And like this and that and this and that and big employee handbook manuals and stuff like that. So it, it's just overwhelming on top of the emotional drain that you're going through from the problem right. you're just trying to solve, right? Exactly. I mean, I know that's a huge focus for our team too, Justin, is just the awareness and rising above the noise that an employee hears and feels on a day-to-day -day basis so that they know that we're here to help them. I mean, that's, that, that's gotta be a focus. So I'd say like, that's, it kind of ties in with the integration story. Like if you're more integrated into a ecosystem, you can exist, you know, sort of harmoniously with all of the other players that are there and sort of direct a joint message towards the employees versus you've got 50 vendors trying to like, you know, I'll get their emails to you. And you're just like, you know, ah, it's too much. Uh, so it all comes back to employee experience and, yeah, you're so right. Um, the current employee experience as it relates to navigating benefits can be challenging. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're seeing a lot of employers try to fix that. What are the things that you and your team celebrate? I mean, this you're, you're doing something that's obviously meaningful and that's probably what draws everybody to it and kind of um, is a source of energy uh, for your team. But it's also heavy at times, right? There's probably some heavy stories that, that come out of it. What, so what do you guys celebrate? What what lifts you guys up? I think, I mean, my gut reaction to that is really like three three things. I mean, you know, so our top line metric or, or indicator of, of business growth is like, you know, the number of members that have access to CareLoop. So as that number grows, that means there's more and more families that, you know, potentially can use CareLoop so they don't have to go through caregiving by themselves. So as we're bringing on new groups, of course, that means that, you know, that number is growing, which we all celebrate as members are using the platform and working with our care coaches, the incredible stories that come out from these caregivers about what this experience meant to them and how it was life-saving or trajectory changing for them in some way to be able to share those stories, like as a team and really celebrate those wins that we help these families. Uh, that's the mission, right? So we love doing that. I will say third, what we've done every year and we continue to refine this is, and you said it a second ago, some of these stories are really heavy and it's not lost on us how difficult it can be for one of our care coaches to have to shoulder that load and go on that journey with these families. Um, this is part of who they are. They love to do it, but yeah, it, it's it can be a lot. So we certainly also take a lot of time and intentionality to celebrate our coaches. And we actually had a coaches appreciation week for the first time in 2022. And we've had a number of different ways we've done coach salutes over the course of care loops history, where, you know, the entire company, uh, all non-coaches really sort of rally around our coaching team and celebrate them for the people and the professionals that they are and all the great work they're doing to help families. So I think those are three things that come to mind that 
I mean, there's tons of things we celebrate um, as a company, as a culture, but those are three for sure. I mean, so they all tie back to growth of the business, growth of our caregiver base, and uh, just being able to really change these families' lives. I mean, that's those are all really celebration-worthy things to us. That's cool. I think anybody listening, for the majority of people listening to this, uh, this is a relevant conversation. Like they're probably interested in, we piqued their interest, I would bet. Um, whether it's right for their company today or not, that's to be decided. But let's let's just assume a lot of people are interested in this because I think there will be. Uh, where would you point them to learn more about CareLoop? What's a good place for them to go? Yeah, certainly there's tons of incredible information about the work we're doing on our website. So careloop.com. Um, you know, really active on LinkedIn and producing a lot of uh, incredible thought leadership and uh, digital assets and eBooks and there's webinar opportunities, all sorts of ways to to learn more about what's going on uh, out there with other corporations and companies and even small businesses and communities. So I'd say those are great places and, um, you know, certainly feel free to reach out to me as well and um, start a conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is uh, like, like we said a little while ago, this is something that hopefully even if you haven't been through it, you can understand this is, it happens to all of us. It's going to happen to all of us. Uh, so I think you'd be wise. You'd be smart to take a really good look at how you're thinking about your company's benefits and your well-being programs and just your overall employee experience. And how do you really create a culture of care that demonstrates it's not just about the work you're doing between the hours of nine to five, but me as a business leader, I recognize when you go home, you've got things going on. Um, how do you show that? So yeah, we, there's all areas that we can be helping with if, uh, if there's interest. That's awesome. Michael, appreciate the time. This has been good stuff. I think a lot of people will be interested in hearing more about the story and, and what you guys are doing. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. And uh, just as always, man, uh, love the work you guys are doing. And you've got a bunch of huge fans over here at Caraloo for Native Digital and all the things that you guys do in KC. So uh, thanks for having me on.